Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. He leaves away. Australia away. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Catch is taken by Perry. The Australian women's cricket team win their fifth T20 World Cup title in front of a magical crowd at the MCG. And welcome back to The Scoop. We are the cricket podcast dedicated to the women's game. I'm Emily Collin and next to me is Laura Jolly, women's cricket editor for cricket.com.au. LJ, that's it. WBBL 07 is done and dusted. It was a pretty perfect end to the tournament last night with the Perth Scorchers lifting the trophy for the very first time in front of a record crowd at Optus Stadium. It looked pretty unreal. LJ, what did you think of the season? Did you enjoy it all? And do you have a highlight from the final series? It's just been a whirlwind, hasn't it? Yeah. It's gone from everywhere, from Hobart to Perth to Mackay, finishing up in Perth, which uh, sadly we couldn't be there for the final, but Sad. it looked like the citizens of the Democratic Republic of Western Australia really <laughs> enjoyed it and we are very, very happy for them. Yes, it looked like a nice spectacle. Maybe next year we can get there. <laughs> I hope so. We'd love to see up the stadium one day. It looks one like day. an incredible venue. Yeah. And, but I have to say, I think my highlight of the final series happened at Adelaide Oval a few days mm-hmm. earlier mm-hmm. when one Amanda Jade Wellington just tore through the Brisbane heat, taking five for eight. What a clutch performance in a final. How good. Wello was amazing and it really validated the scoop, our little podcast, as a good luck charm to all players. So Wello taking five for eight after coming on our podcast. What more can we say? Exactly. And what was your moment of the final series, Em? Um, I think my favourite moment, uh, this is kind of the reason that I think I was barracking for the Perth Scorchers a little bit on Saturday night. And I think it's because Sophie Devine, she's always been one of my favourite WBBL players, my favourite cricketers. She Not only is she a gun and great to watch, but she just seems like an absolute legend. Like I've said it before, but just the way she conducts herself, like the way she seems to lead teams and interact with fans and the media, she's just an absolute superstar. And to see her, she's been such a star of the WBBL for so long, to see that her with the trophy in her hand, I reckon it was just awesome to see. So I hope, I hope Sophie and the Scorchers celebrated well. And so on today's show, to wrap up, all the finals, we've got Kristen Beams, as per usual, who's got her great insights. And we've also got Alana King, who will hopefully have a lot of good stories about the Perth Scorchers and their wild celebrations. But firstly, LJ, we have found out who Australia will be facing in the ODI World Cup after the qualifiers, the World Cup qualifiers in Zimbabwe, were pretty abruptly ended in what was pretty unfortunate fashion. Yeah, um, and it's been a pretty controversial one, I think, across 
not just the last 24 hours. There's been a, quite a few controversial things going on with this tournament. But basically on Saturday night, um, the news came through that the tournament was being cancelled due to the new Omicron um, variant that has emerged from Southern Africa. A mm. lot of countries are bringing in travel restrictions that would have prevented them from returning home had they played out the rest of the tournament. Mm. I think there were also potentially cases, some sorts of cases in the Sri Lanka camp. So there were, there were some issues going on there. So they called it off after the group stage. They didn't get to the Super Sixes, which meant they fell back on what they had planned before the start of the tournament about who would progress to the World Cup in the event the tournament the event couldn't be held. So what happened was the three highest-ranked ODI qualifiers have gone through the World Cup, which is the West Indies, Pakistan and Bangladesh. Bangladesh are going to be playing in a World Cup for the first time, which is really exciting for them. But the team you've really got a feel for is Thailand because Thailand had this amazing run through the group stage of the tournament. They beat Bangladesh, they beat Zimbabwe and they beat the USA and they finished the group stage on top of their group. They were absolutely in the box seat to make the World Cup, definitely to get into the Women's mm. Championship, which would have provided them nine series against top top quality competition over the next four years. I think you get extra funding. There's a whole lot of benefits that, that come from being in the championship. But they weren't eligible for that because they don't have ODI status. Oh. So it's there's a whole lot of issues here, but it's just so disappointing for Thailand who did everything they sh- could have done to get through and have been denied that opportunity pretty much because of the system that means if you don't have a, a men's team as well, you, you don't become a full member nation. Oh. So it's, it's obviously very complicated. I just, you know, I think there's... A lot of people really feel for Thailand and there's a really good argument here that one, more teams should have ODI status mm. and two, that the Women's Championship probably needs to be 12 teams with Zimbabwe and Thailand included or even should have just two divisions so that you can have mm. more teams getting getting this structure because as it stands, the teams outside the championship don't have guaranteed fixtures. It's really hard for them to get match time and it would be a really mm. great step forward for the women's game if that can be looked at, which hopefully this unfortunate outcome can at least get people talking. Yeah, 100%, Elja, and that's that's very well articulated and hopefully it seems like there are a lot of broader issues at play, but hopefully some we see some movement on that from the ICC. And while we're on the topic of 50-over cricket leading into the World Cup, we've got the WNCL starting on December 16, which will be a really good chance for some of Australia's top domestic players to get back into some 50-over cricket ahead of an Ashes series that will also include an Australia A team. So that's going to be a pretty interesting couple of weeks. Yeah, it will. And in amazing news this year, every single game is going to be live streamed, which we've never had before. We had, I think, 19 of them were live streamed last season, but yep. this year it's going to be all 29 on free on cricket.com.au, also available on KO. So people are going to be able to watch their favourite WBBL players get around in state colours beauty. We'll be back into it in no time. And so one more thing that we wanted to tell our listeners is that The Scoop is going to be taking a little bit of a break from regular programming, but don't stress, Baggy Green Queens is coming. LJ, do you want to tell us a little bit about what Baggy Green Queens is all about? Yep. So this is something that Em and I have been working on through the winter to get ready um, to unleash in the lead up to the women's ashes. Baggy Green Queens is our way of celebrating the stories and people behind some of the most iconic moments in women's ashes history. 
from Betty Wilson, Rayleigh Thompson to Michelle Gosgo, Sarah Elliott and Renee Farrell. We can't wait to share these incredible Ashes memories with you ahead of the upcoming battle between Australia and England. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely awesome. We had so much fun chatting to all these people. Here's a bit of a taste of what to expect in the first episode where we spoke to the great Mel Jones all about Betty Wilson and what it was like playing for playing for Australia in the 1950s. It's just a beautiful little story, isn't it? You know, she wanders past a game with her dad once and throws the ball back and she starts playing at 10. She plays state at 16. And then World War II gets in the way, so she doesn't actually debut for another 10 years. And then she gets into the team and she, she just absolutely dominates, which is why she could abuse us with our poor footwork and everything because you couldn't really say, well, you didn't do it because she did. You know? And Kristen Beams, welcome back to The Scoop. We're here to wrap up what's been an unbelievable WBBL 07 season. What a night it was in Perth last night. So we saw 15,000 people packed into Optus Stadium to watch the Scorchers beat the Strikers and win their first trophy. Beamsy, what did you make of the evening and what was your highlight from that final? Yeah, I mean, what a season it's been. And I think the the right teams were in the final. I think we got what we wanted. I think there was a big crowd. I think it just lived up to the expectation. And, you know, for the Perth Scorchers, I think, you know, you're, you're the number one team throughout the year. You finish on top of the ladder. You go straight through to the final. For me, it kind of made sense that, that, that they would walk away with it with the trophy. So, uh, yeah, I'm pretty content that it's been a really good season and the right team came out on top. And you've been involved in the competition since WBBL01 and you've seen how it's evolved. How good was it for you to see 15,000 people um, turn up to a standalone final like that? Yeah, I remember the very first game and I actually played in the first game and it was at the Junction Oval against the Heat and we used to play two games in one day then and there was 1,400 people at the Junction Oval and we were looking around going, this is amazing, 1,400 people have come to watch a WBBL game and, you know, we sit here now and we're, we're saying, oh my goodness, there's, there's thousands of people watching yeah. it and you just think, wow, we had no idea what we are in for in WBBL 01, but this competition keeps delivering and these girls are playing some unbelievable cricket. So it's no surprise that that many people want to go and watch a final. Yeah, it was so good. So good to see. And Beamsy, so in the lead up to the final last night, what was, what was your mindset? You know, the strikers, they had all the momentum, like they had two, two big wins in the eliminator and the challenge up and the scorchers, they'd had the whole week off. What were you, where were you thinking the match would end up? Yeah, well, there's a few schools of thought, wasn't there? Is it, you know, the strikers had already run their race or yeah. is, you know, a week too long to have off? I definitely thought it was in the Scorchers' advantage. I think to have some time off, particularly if you've got any niggles, um, to have that freshness, they probably had a few days away from the competition. So what a little treat to have a little hiatus mm. away and then be able to come into a, a final really fresh. So I think the Scorchers were really well placed and, and they probably dis- didn't disappoint on that front. I think so much of the chat leading into the game was about the importance of Divine and Mooney at the top of the order. So when Mooney gets out for 19, Soph goes for 35. Are you thinking advantage strikers at that point? I think most people would have. And I think the partnership between Heather Graham and Marazan Cap was really, really important. I think Heather Graham sort of took it upon herself and she was the more attacking batter when Cap came to the wicket. And and Cathy actually took a few balls to sort of get going before she hit that first ball along the carpet for four. And then when that happened, it looked like, oh, wow, something's something's going to happen here. So I think that was a really important partnership. And I think a lot of people had called into question whether they had that batting depth in the middle. But 
you know, I think that was a really, really good partnership, but also really well played, I think, from Devine and Mooney. It, they seemed to just weather the storm a little bit. They didn't try and bash and crash in that power play. Mm. And I actually think that was really important. They sort of settled the dugout a little bit. So when the other batters came in in that middle order, I think they were probably thinking, well, hang on a second, the wicket's playing all right. And we're sort of well-placed rather than being, you know, two down for, for 10 in the power play when we know that that puts teams under pressure. Mm. Yeah, as you said, Beamsy, there was so much talk throughout the season about how, like, questions around whether the Scorchers middle order were up to it if the those top two batters failed. Do you think, like, how good would it have been for those those girls in the middle order to really deliver on the on the biggest stage of all and really that's put a stop to it? Yeah, I think that would be really satisfying as a player. You know, every every player says, oh, I don't read anything or, you know, I don't <laughs> listen to anything. And, the, and the, the reality is you do listen and you do probably make a point of it. So I think for the batters in that middle order, I think it, you know, it would have been very sweet last night to, to be holding a trophy and going, actually, we really made a strong contribution to this. And as I said, I thought that Graham and Cap were so good in those middle overs and, and how important they are. So, you know, Marazan Cap, probably one of the, the signings of the tournament, um, given that she was player of the final. Yeah, speaking of Marazan, she said she was sick in the week leading up to the game and felt shocking after she batted. Um, and yet she dominated with bat and ball as player of the match. How impressive is it for her to have, to have managed that? Yeah, it's it's amazing and, and probably something that we nearly come to expect from international cricketers that they just find a way to get the job done. And I think that's, you know, when, when I think of the South African players, I think that that is something they absolutely ooze is just that competitiveness and, and that want to win. And it's, it's a really strong characteristic. So I think for her to be able to do that again, it probably just settles the rest of the team and they probably go, yeah, this is all right. Like this girl's been in bed for three days and she can <laughs> show up here and, and perform. So we better be on our best behaviour here. But, but, you know, that's an amazing performance um, and probably summarises just how good this competition has been. We've seen players like a Rachel Priest play with a, a badly broken finger. We've seen other players playing through injuries. Sophie Molyneux was in a moon boot and played like, you know, these players that are playing in this competition are absolute superstars and to, to actually work through injuries like that across a very long season of 14 games. Yeah, for sure. Beamsy, and if we can if you can think about, is there one particular performance or moment in that match that you think really sealed the deal for the Scorchers? I mean, was it Alana King's 14 off five at the back end to Neil Pichel in the power play? Or Katie, um, Sophie Devine getting Katie Mack. Was there one that really stood out to you? There was there was probably two for me. I think um, I think Heather Graham six, which was early on against Wellington. Yeah, it was it was job. sort of like they were they were getting timed down, and, and Wello has bowled unbelievably mm-hmm. well. And to to come down the wicket and, and hit that ball for six was a bit like okay, okay, they're on here. And I think I think Cappy's first shot down the ground um, to to find the boundary when it looked like she was sort of scratching around a little bit. It it just sort you sort of started to go wow okay this I think those two moments really set the tone for that batting innings. Um, and I think to to get to that total, I think people were thinking oh you know it might be a 120 total. And I think the the strikers would have eaten that up, mm. but all of a sudden it becomes 146. Um, so I think off the back of those two little cameo performances and those two great shots is probably the highlights for me. And just looking at that bowling innings, Katie Mack had been in such good form leading into the match. Dunover Newkirk really aggressive in the Challenger final. But then the in the power play, they're able to remove both of them for six off 13. How important was that for the school? Yeah, it was massive. And there would have been a lot of talk about that. And, you know, there's so much information you can get about players now that I'm sure that the Scorchers, they've had a whole week to, to get that planning right. And it seemed like they had their plans really, really nailed um, and bowlers really knew what they were trying to do. And, and that's massive. Um, and 
you know, for a player like Katie Mack, she's been in such great form. I think it's always a hard thing because it nearly feels like there's that pressure that you're going to be able to do that every time. And the reality is you can't, um, you know, in, in T20 cricket. That has come off about sort of one every three. So she's had an unbelievable season. It's just such a shame for the, the strikers that they were they lost those two wickets and it, it kind of set mm. the tone really there and, and really shifted it in the Scorchers' favour. And Beamsy, even before the Scorchers had won the final on Saturday night, Beth Mooney was, um, she signed a two-year extension and she was talking about wanting to start a, a bit of a dynasty with the first Scorchers. Do you reckon this is possible? Is this something you can see happening in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think so. But I think it, there's going to be a lot more competition for, for players moving forward. And I think that's, that's something that's going to happen a lot. I think you know, the best players are going to get targeted. And unfortunately, when you've got a winning team, then every other team starts to circle and says, well, <laughs> hang on a second. How, how can I get some of these players on, on my team? So I think from a Scorchers point of view, I think to sort of create that dynasty, you hope that, that players are going to sign on and, and stay together. But that will be a, a pretty big factor. But, you know, I think that if Divine and Mooney can stay together mm-hmm. and, and sign deals moving forward, anything is possible <laughs> when you, you start talking about a dynasty. And we all know that Chris Matthews would definitely be thinking that way. And I think the, the Scorchers have got a very successful franchise and they've been successful since the word goes. So I think the trophy is probably just going to set them on the on the same course that they've already been on. And there's some real, uh, you know, so what's, stalwarts of the WA game in that side with Heather Graham, Chloe Paparo, Daniil Peschel, Piper Cleary, and a few of those girls who were part of the two losing grand finals to the Sixers a few years ago. How special is this moment going to be for them? Yeah, I think it's really special. And I think I think they're a little bit underrated, you know, WA cricketer. They've won a WNCL title in recent years as well. So mm. I think there's a few, you know, people kind of going like, wow, there's a there's a little something here. And I think, you know, Chris Matthews has done a great job to, to really drive the high-performance female program. So I think for those players that, you know, for a player like Heather Graham and Chloe Paparo, they've probably started their careers with not a whole lot of success in, in mm-hmm. terms of wins. But you know, they're probably now going, well, hang on a second, I've, I've won a WNCL title and I've won a WBBL title. You know, that's really special. You know, so many people yeah. go through their whole careers without getting either of those. So, um, you know, I think that's really special. And, you know, as I said, I, I think there'll be a lot of chasing of signatures over the next little bit to, to make sure they can try and keep that team together. Yeah. And Sophie Devine, as we know, she's been an absolute star of the WBBL for so long. I don't think there would have been many WBBL fans who wouldn't have been happy to see that trophy in her hands. Did you enjoy that, Beamsy? Were you happy to see Sophie Devine lift that WBBL trophy after what's been a long time? Yeah, I mean, there's so much to like about Sophie Devine, whether it's just purely observing as a as a cricketer and, and what she can do. But I think also as a leader, as a character within the game, I think it sounds like she's the kind of player that they all want to play for. And, and that's a really special thing. So it's really nice to see her get that reward. Um, and, I, you know, she's got a fairly special bond with the Strikers girls as well. So, yeah. you know, I'm sure she probably felt a little bit torn uh, during that final because she's been um, such a big part of both of those franchises. But, yeah, she's she's one of the – she's a good guy of the, the competition, isn't she? So, yeah. yeah, very happy to see Sophie Devine win a title. And it was such a good run for the Strikers right up to the end there. And it's their second final heartbreak in three years. Uh, is that tough for them to swallow? Or, and do you think they'll – they'll be able to be back as good as ever next year? Yeah, I think so. They're such a young team and they've got just really nice makeup of, of their team and the players that they've been able to recruit in have added to what they're doing. So they seem to get stronger and stronger. And considering the players that are sitting on their bench, you know, Gemma Barsby is sitting on the mm. on the bench for, for the strikers. So they've actually got a really good squad together and still really young. Um, you know, Megan Shoot is probably the, the oldest stalwart um, <laughs> and not being that old. So... 
I think they're a team that can stay together for a really long period of time. So, yes, it's whilst it's disappointing for them, you actually just see them getting better and better. And if any team, another team can create a, a bit of a dynasty, it's, it's probably the Adelaide Strikers with what the, yep. the team that they've got. Oh, it will be good to see in the next couple of years how that all develops. And, Beamsy, there's not much rest for Australia's uh, female domestic players with the WNCL kicking off on the 16th of December. Do you have a particular player that you have identified over any team that you think is going to take their excellent WBBL form into the 50-over competition? I think it's Elise Villani for me. I think she was the domestic player of the year last year. She had a great year, um, really successful. I think what we've seen of her in the in the WBBL, um, I was a big fan of the, the power hitting that we've seen on show. And I think, well, you know, to be able to take that kind of form to have evolved as a batter and to then take that into a WNCL format, you think, well, hundreds are not only possible, but maybe very big hundreds. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd like to see her continue to do well. And I've got such a soft spot there. I, I still think she's got a, a lot to offer from an Australian cricket point of view. And um, she's such a great character. I think a lot of people would love to see her in Australian colours again. So, um, yeah, I think she'll have a, a really important season um, playing for Tasmania now. So yep. um, hopefully it sets them in a, in a really nice course. But she's probably the one for me that I just can't wait to see her. Uh, opening the batting. Nice one. Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting WNCL season ahead of that ODI World Cup. Beamsy, we're so grateful for you joining us on the Scoop podcast every week this WBBL season. We've absolutely loved your insights. You're an absolute legend and hope you enjoy some more cricket over the summer. Thanks heaps, Beamsy. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Alana King, a favourite of the Scoop podcast. Welcome back to the show. Kingy, you've just won a WBBL title. Tell us, tell us all about it and tell us how it feels. Yeah, guys, look, it's it's pretty surreal, to be honest. Um, it hasn't probably sunk in as much, but um, it was just a really nice way to finish off the season with this amazing, amazing bunch of girls. And so, I mean, what a night that was. 15,000 people at Optus Stadium watching the Scorchers win. What was the highlight of the night for you? Yeah, it was a pretty amazing atmosphere, to be honest. Like, although there was only 15,000, it felt like there was 30. The noise was incredible. The crowd was just unbelievable and it was just awesome to play in front of our home crowd um, at Perth Stadium with all our Scorchers fans there. And talk us through the celebrations. What did you guys do? Are you still celebrating and, and who's been the best on? Yeah, we, we celebrated in the rooms. Um, all our family and friends got to get into the rooms with us, which was really special. Um, I haven't played at Optus before, so that was a pretty amazing experience, I guess. And just to have yeah, all our family and friends um, the CEO, the general manager, um, it was an incredible inc- uh, experience to to share with the whole staff, not just um, the on-field staff, but all the off-field staff as well. And we're just one big family um, at the Scorchers and it really showed the whole season and especially at that night. And I, I just loved seeing the photos of, the, of you guys walking around the ground after with the trophy, high-fiving the fans. Like, what was that like? Yeah, again, it's pretty surreal moment, LJ. Um, to have that many people and all rooting for, for you was just pretty pretty special and something that I'll, I'll always cherish. It's probably one of the biggest crowds I've played in front of as well. So good. And so leading into the match, what were the messages from um, Shell and Soph and how did you guys spend that week that you had off leading into the final? Yeah, I think we had a really good chat leaving Adelaide. Like it was actually at the airport and it was just a quick chat around, you know, the week ahead. It's going to be a pretty big week. Um, but like the main message from Shell, from Soph, from Moons is just to embrace it. Like it's not very often you get to play in a final at home as well. So 
Um, yes, it was just another game, but it's also a final. So embrace what comes with it. There was a lot of media attention around yeah. it um, because we were the ones that um, had a week off and at home. But I think that was re- really smart advice and really um, key advice, I guess, just to make sure everyone embraces it but rather than run away from yeah. From all the attention, because um, it can catch up to you on the on the big day on Saturday, and I think all the girls are really good. Um, Cappy was sick the whole week, which was <laughs> just shows a true athlete and a true competitor mm. she really is on Saturday when she left everything out on the field for us, and and we we were holding that title at the end. So I that's agree. just the team we are, and yeah, I'm pretty proud to be part of this group. Were you nervous? Were you nervous the week heading in? Um, I was actually quite excited. Um, probably only nerves set, settled in maybe on, on Saturday morning because we had a lot of time to kill yeah. um, before the game. But they were good nerves. Like, they just had butterflies in your stomach yeah. and you're just like, I'm itching to get out there. Um, and once you got to the ground and the crowd started rolling in, it was yeah, it was a pretty spectacular thing. That's so cool. And so you guys are batting first. Um Mooney goes for 19, Team Matt goes for 35. How are you feeling at that point? Yeah, look, um, I guess the games leading up to the final, we've, um, Moons and Soph probably haven't hit their straps as they wanted to, but it gave our middle order a real good exposure and time in the middle, and that was crucial. You just never know what happens in finals. We were we were okay after the power play, and then, you know, I think quick, a few couple of wickets um, happen, and... I'm just glad that our middle order got exposed to a bit of time in the middle earlier on in the season and it really paid off. And that's what, what we're all about. We're not about a few stars in our team. Like everyone does their job to chip in and, and get the job done. And that's exactly what we've done all season and even better on the final. Yeah, and yourself, Kingy, you were unreal with that. 14 off five. Were you and the girls pretty pumped with how that came off? Yeah, to be honest, going uh, before getting out to the middle, just a little bit nervous, but... Um, just real calm in the in the dugout with Shell and Soph and, and Moons even gave me a few pointers. Just be be nice and still, be relaxed. And once I was out there with Cappy, like she was just like, she reads the game so well and that's why she's one of the best cricketers in the world. So um, we, we knew we were just going to try and scrap for everything we could to get to at least 140. We knew that was going to be a competitive total and to get what we did, um, which was what, 146 in the end, um, yeah, just we just ran hard and that's what we've been doing. And that's the little things that we do as a team and have done all all season. And so then you guys come out and have that amazing power play, including you bowling in the power play. Did you always know you're going to be doing that? Oh, I, I got worded up saying, oh, it could be a potential matchup um, in the power play. And uh, yeah, I don't normally bowl in the power play, but when, when the confidence from your skipper and the others come around you that, oh, we, we think you're a good matchup in the power play, like can't be... Other, more than confident um, going in. So I know Soph backs me and the other 10 players on the field back me whenever I come on to bowl, whether it's power play or not. So, um, look, I just was trying to soak it all in and it was the last 20 overs we get as a team, uh, this particular team, because as you know, LJ and M, that every team yeah. changes every year. So <laughs> um, it was pretty special and, yeah, we're just pretty stoked to be lifting that trophy. Yeah, so good. And the whole bowling unit was just on fire. Like if you think about Cappy, Neil Pichel, Sophie and yourself, of course. How, you mentioned uh, bowling and partnerships was really key for you guys on the mic. Was it just was everything just going perfectly for the whole bowling unit on Saturday night? Yeah, I think we've um, – like I'll stand like a stuck record here, but uh, – the theme for us this year was, you know, we got to stick together as a bowling unit. Like if one person gets, 
you know, tapped a little bit. It's about the other player down the other end coming back and trying to contain an end. And that's how we we really pride ourselves on handing over the over to our next um, to our next partner. But yeah. yeah, I think bowling in partnerships is key, and T Twenty cricket can can swing in roundabouts, as we all know. So uh, we've just we've got a really well balanced team, and you've got your front front line bowlers like Cappy and Pesh and and Soph as well, and then you've got the likes of you know HE coming through the middle, myself and Piper Cleary, Lisa Griffiths. You know we all we'll try to do our part and make sure that we do what's what's needed for the team. And so, um, Kingy yourself, everyone's talking about you bowling in those sunnies. <laughs> <laughs> it was, was it bright enough to need sunnies or did you just feel like wearing the sunnies? No, to be honest, like there was a bit of sun at the start of the innings. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I genuinely like to bowl with them on. Um, I know some night games like, yeah, you look like an absolute, uh, idiot nah, if you no way. if you wear them on there was a little bit of sun um on so I kept them on but then they they weren't really working for me in my I think third over and I had to sack them so uh <laughs> no nah, they've just been a new addition to to t20 cricket for me this year and um nah. look if, if people go out there and buy them that's that's a good that's good for don't, Oakley, I guess. Don't stop. So an absolute vibe. Mm. <laughs> you mentioned Cappy was sick. Did you guys know how crook she was all week? Um, yeah, we did. We once we got back from Adelaide, like she was, she was not feeling great. And then I spoke to her a couple of times during the week, and she was proper sick. Like couldn't get out of bed. Um, fever, cold, sweats, like everything that possibly could go wrong for Cappy, like in the sickness side of things, did and. Uh, she only bowled, she only came in on Friday night, bowled probably an over and a half, batted for 10 minutes and that was it. Like um, she was very much under the weather, but for her to, to dust that all off on Saturday, that's just a, a true competitor she really is. And geez, it's nice having Cappy on your team because she's, <laughs> you see this really competitive person on the field, but off field, she's one of the most gentle people. And yeah, I've, bloody love Cappy and her like hoping she's back in orange next year awesome and so you moved to WA a year ago and now you've made it the complete move playing for both Western Australian teams how have you found that and has it all been worth making that big move yeah I think I'm quite settled now in WA to be honest so to base well all my cricket now in WA I'm very comfortable I've got a really good support group over here cricket wise as well as outside of cricket um so yeah I'm just loving my time here um, very comfortable over here and just, yeah, hopefully, hopefully things can happen for, for the WNCL for us as well. And, um, yeah, I'm just loving, loving settling into Perth and it's a great lifestyle over here, guys. I'm not yeah. sure if you know, but Jealous. it's pretty, pretty warm and it, it, it just keeps turning itself on for us. So, I bet. um, yeah, I, I love Perth and yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy to be basing all my cricket here. All those WA beaches make it all worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. You won't see me swimming as much in the beaches with all the, the sharks <laughs> around. But, um, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to be living only five minutes from the beach. And yeah, during the summer, that's where uh, you'll find me most at the beach, having a coffee or going for a walk. Jeez, that sounds pretty nice. Um, Kingy, have you spoken to any of your um, <laughs> friends and family back in Victoria? And like, are they, are they super pumped for you? Uh, to be honest, there's quite a few messages and <laughs> phone calls that I need to return, but I've been MIA for the last two days. Um, so I'll, I'll slowly start getting through all of them, um, but they've been an incredible support. Um, whether I'm here, whether I was back back home, 
Um, yeah, I do miss them. I haven't seen them since March. So it's been a long time um, between some hugs for the family and friends, but they were, they were super pumped. I know when I, when we won on Saturday night um, and it got into the rooms, I got my phone and I tried FaceTiming mum um, and <laughs> mum and dad were asleep. And oh. I was like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> it's like you're asleep. Are you like, kidding? It is like, it, it is midnight here and I'm like, oh, forgot about the time difference. <laughs> but um, but um, it was good to see them like, uh, and I was just screaming just all of excitement and then, <laughs> They knew how much it meant to me and to see my brother as well was pretty special. Oh. And what about compared to last year, obviously, with the Stars? Like, did that sort of make it all the all, all a bit sweeter after the heartbreak of last year? Yeah, absolutely it did. And last year was a completely diff- uh, different experience. Like, being in the hub, mm-hmm. um, we couldn't really go anywhere. And um, we played the final at North Sydney, so it wasn't even a home game for us. It was more for the, for the Sydney Thunder. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a it was a tough year last year in the in the hub, and yeah, I think winning it this year, um, being not so much in a hub, we were travelling freely in front of our home cr- crowd. Um, it was a lot different, and yeah, it was it was nice to get to lift that trophy rather than um, be on the other side of the uh, other end of the stick. And you were just in outstanding form all tournament. Um, did you feel like you were really able to carry on that form you had with the Stars last year and bring that to the Scorchers this time around? Yeah, I thought um, there was a few things that I tweaked last year and there was just conversations with Michael Beer and Trent Woodhull at the Stars last year. And um, I took that in my stride and it really helped. So um, I made sure that this off-season and pre-season that I really tried to keep evolving my game and that's where Bo Casson came into the picture and have really worked hard and long with him. Um, I spoke about uh, working a lot with my processes with him and my routine and that's been probably the number one thing that I've stuck with and has helped me control what I can control when I bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been probably the, the biggest thing that I've changed in this offseason um, and it's a little bit technical but more for a mental and a physical thing that I can control. So look, I'm just happy that um, I was bowling well this year and more happy that it was doing well for the Scorchers. Um, I'm a very much a team player mm-hmm. and personal accolades um, don't really do much for me. So I'm just happy that we, we we were lifting that trophy at the end. It was a pretty special moment with this pretty special group. Yeah, awesome. And Kingy, we know there's a big summer of international cricket ahead and you, you're just going from strength to strength. Is playing in the green and gold something that's still really high on, on the list of things you'd like to achieve? Yeah, there's absolutely a burning desire to put on the green and gold and have had that burning desire for a while. But um, as I've said to you, LJ, before, like those things will take care of itself and it's out of my control. Like what I can control is how I how I prep for games and, um, well, you can't really control how you go in games, but you, you trust your preparation and, and you back yourself. And that's what I did this year. And when you've got not only the, the other 10 players on the field who are back, you've got the support staff as well who know that you've done the work. Um, yeah, I just had a lot of confidence going into every game this year. Even when I was under the pump a few times, um, I still had had confidence to be like, Matt, you, you've got this. You've, you've done the work. You know what to do. So, um, yeah, I think the higher honours is always going to be an aspiration for me. But um, we'll, we'll just see what happens. Like, um, I'm, I'm pretty happy to be holding a WPBL <laughs> trophy at the end of this, to be honest. Absolutely. And so what's next for you guys? Have you got a bit of a break before you get back into the WA stuff? Yeah, so we've got a week off um, starting today or tomorrow, I guess, and then 
yeah, um, to regroup and then we get back together as a WA unit and we're not sure what happens with round one now that SA um, and WA, the borders are locked now and we were due to play SA over over here in Perth. So uh, I think that'll all now be a rolling <laughs> fixture, I guess, an ever-evolving fixture. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what happens and hopefully we can regroup really quickly as a WA unit and, and get back into work. So we know we've got a big uh, new year ahead of us. Very good. And, Kingy, we're going to finish off our chat with um, our Who's Cooking seg- segment presented by Weber, and it's going to have a little bit of a twist today. So we're going to ask you, it's usually three dream barbecue guests, but we're going to ask you if you could insert any three people into the Scorchers changing rooms after you'd won the final, who would you pick? Who's going to take that celebration to the next level? As in, are you talking like anyone. people? No, nah, it can be like literally about... anyone. Jeez. Oh, that, that's, that's pretty tough, Em. I think we had a pretty, like, to be honest, like there were a lot of people that were, that came out of the woodwork oh, that yeah. I didn't expect to, <laughs> um, to be almost BOG. And one was Madonna Blythe. I think she was in fine form. Um, the captain, Sophie Devine. How good. She was, she was elite. And it was just awesome to have Christina Matthews yeah. in the change room with us. Um, for her to shed a few tears post our win, that just showed how much we meant to her and so this, um, how much this means to the organisation, um, to the Perth Scorchers and to WA Cricket as well. So, look, I wouldn't want anyone else into the changes. Obviously, I'd love my family there, yeah. but um, it was pretty special to have whoever we did in the change rooms because um, I wouldn't change that for the world. Beautiful. Kingy, it was so great, great to chat to you and we're so happy that you've got a WBL trophy next to your name. Enjoy the celebrations. Don't stop yet. You've got another weekend year and all the best for the WNCL season. Thanks, Sam. Thanks, LJ. Thanks for having me. It's been an awesome season. So hopefully we chat to you guys soon. Love your work, Kingy. Sit back and enjoy the stroke play of Meg Lanning. This is excellent batting by Ash Gardner. Jonathan strikes again. She's on a hat-trick. She comes at Molyneux. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Market.